This pulpit has been mine for 22 years today, and and I still shake when I get up here, because I'm going to give an account for what has been done here. I have not been pushed by men, never have been. I've been led by God. And I believe this message to you would be one of the ones that maybe would be something that I could continue to preach through the years, dealing with constantly abiding in him. If you look at the verse, verse number 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Friday morning, I had the opportunity of getting up really early and heading up to Columbus and meeting one of our deacons who takes care of the finances, also is the director for the Reformers Unanimous program. And after he left, after we, I think he was there for an hour, maybe longer than that, I sat there for a moment and just listened to the men that were in the cafe. It was the apple tree. And uh, they didn't know what was true and what isn't true. They were talking about the news and what they were hearing, and some are saying, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear that, and I don't think that's true. And some of the men were saying, no, it's true. This is what's really happening. And one of the other men said, no, I, I don't think that that is true. And, and I'm so thankful that when we're kind of uncertain about some truths, that we can go to the Scripture. And we can go to the, to the Word of God because it's been written by one who cannot lie yes. and will not lie. And I think what's really on my heart today is that we have a lot of people considering Christ, but few disciples of Christ. What is a disciple? Again, we're told in Matthew chapter 28, verse number 19, to go ye therefore and teach all nations. And if you listen to the, 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 the writers of that in the, in, the, in the language that they put together, it really means and make disciples. He's talking about teaching them to observe all things after they trusted Christ as Savior. And when we're talking about a disciple, what is a disciple? He is a learner. Could be a scholar. One who receives or professes to receive Instruction from another. Webster goes on to say he is a follower. He is adherent to the doctrines of another. Hence, the constant attendants of Christ are called his disciples. God chose this method for his church to go and to make disciples. It's important for us to know that we can draw from the teacher. But let me just touch on one issue as way of introduction. I think that there is a need for true grace today. Authentic scriptural grace, not cheap grace. Cheap grace will not teach you to live godly in this present world. I don't need cheap grace. I don't need something that will woo me into a fleshly walk with God. I need something spiritual from above. I need to have God's Spirit work in my heart. I need that, and I think you do too. Dietrich Bonhoeffer 
said cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without church discipline. Cheap grace is great grace. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. I don't want to have been said that I've used this pulpit for cheap grace. That I have preached the authentic grace of the living God. What a beautiful word. I love our sign, Grace Baptist Church. Maybe that'll be on uh, my gravestone someday, pastor of the Grace Baptist Church for 75 years. I don't know. Vance Hander said this concerning grace or cheap grace. He says, we have suffered from the preaching of cheap grace. Grace is free, but it is not cheap. Will you take... Will you, people will take anything free, but they are not willing or interested in discipleship. The, there are people that want a Savior, but they don't want a Lord. And I think that as we think about that, as a way of introduction, it helps us understand a little bit more of what Jesus was dealing with when he was dealing with the religious leaders and the Pharisees of that particular time. And so it was in this conversation. And in this message, I want to bring out just three quick things. Number one, in order to be able to understand this, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. That's, that's preeminent. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world? Do you believe that? I think it's important for us to, to in, in a day of darkness, to, to go to that light and help us understand that light is a, light is a positive force, by the way. Light is a, is a, is a, uh, a teaching force. I, I like it when the lights go on uh, and it's time to go to work. I like it when my mind goes on, clicks. You know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you get yourself into a situation where you're kind of foggy and all of a sudden, whoa, well, here I am. Now I understand. God has spoken to me and I understand this and he has opened my eyes what a beautiful thing to see somebody who was lost in their sin and in darkness, even maybe perhaps growing up in a church, you still can be in darkness. There needs to be a time where you've trusted and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Not a religion. I accept a religion. Religion can't get you to heaven. Jesus Christ can get you to heaven. But I think it's important for us to understand, first of all, that we must believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And so to back up a little bit, before we get to these verses, verses 31 and 32, which are highlighted in my Bible. And uh, I think it's interesting to mark in your Bible. I, I, maybe you don't. You don't think it's reverent. Uh, I, I do. In fact, I, I write all over in my Bible. One time I was with Tom Farrell, and he said, I think you wrote it more than God wrote in there. <laughs> there, there are places where I probably have. <laughs> but I can't help but take us back a little bit to a question that is asked, or an accusation that's given to Jesus Christ. Let's, let's go back to verse number, number 12. Same chapter. Remember, in the context of this, we're dealing with a woman who came, and, and, and these Pharisees came, and the, the religious rulers came, and they said, look, look at this woman. She was in sin. We probably should stone her. Remember that story? It's in John chapter 8. And Jesus said, you, I'll send, throw the first stone. A lot of stone throwing going on in our country right now. If you haven't sinned, pick up the stone. 
But if you have sin, drop the stone. That'd be a good title of a message. Drop the stone. Drop the brick. Listen to the accusation. Verse number 12 says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. And he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Uh, How many have those words in red? Raise your hand. Isn't that beautiful? They did that? You know, I I wasn't there when Jesus said this, but it still encourages my heart to to read the words. It's inspired by, by God and preserved for us in 2020 and in a mess in our country, but we can still read these words. See, this is from the Lord Jesus. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And the Pharisees, therefore, said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. You ever have someone tell you you're not telling the truth? Has that ever happened to you? You know, years ago, my mom said, you know, you shouldn't be telling lies, Dean. I remember telling that. I said, what, what, what do you mean? She said, you said you went all the way down to Larry's pharmacy, and you talked to Larry, and you, you know, did this. And to this day, she thinks I was lying about that. I, I snuck out the back door, and I went down to, to Larry's pharmacy. We had a great talk. I was five. You know, you couldn't do that today, could you? No, not even if you're 25, you might not want to go to Larry. Because Larry's not alive. Anyway. When we're thinking about this, we really have to understand what is actually happening here and and what's in the context of the passage. And what makes more sense to me is when we read the scriptures in the context and see really the, the pressure that Jesus was having. He was accused of lying here in front of people. <laughs> and has that ever happened to you? Isn't, isn't it hurtful if that happens to you? It is hurtful because you know you told the truth. But I think it was more hurtful to Jesus. Because he loved them so much. And the Pharisees came and they made this accusation and said, what you're saying is not true. I think that's one of the most damaging ways of hurting somebody's reputation. Is telling other people that they've lied. Don't you think that way? I mean, you know, you, you want your character to be truthful. I always, say, I always say be real, honest and humble. You know? And, and even if people don't really receive you, the truth you're saying, you still have to be real, honest, and humble and respond in the right way to the difficulties. And Jesus was experiencing this. And the accusation was strong. You are not telling us the truth. And if we look at the verse number 32, one of the main verses of this particular passage, and many of you know that verse, and you shall know the what? And the truth shall make you what? Free. Free from what? Sin. In fact, if we look back to Romans chapter number 6, many of you perhaps have, have read that particular verse. I just want to read it to you. Romans chapter number 6. In Romans 6, it gives us an incredible description of the believer and the battle that goes on within them of the flesh and the spirit. And how that we are to lay aside the flesh, walk in the spirit. And the Bible says, of course, here in verse number 18 of chapter 6, being then made free from from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. So that particular verse is telling us what we're free from. So if we're free from sin, then we're really free from the guilt of sin. And free of that, of that, 
of shame of sin because Jesus Christ has cleansed our hearts. And if we are faithful and just really to, to, to go to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what's so wonderful about the Christian life. We can have new beginnings like we have today. The light went on today, maybe. And now it's time to repent and truly walk in his grace and walk uprightly and be holy and do what is right, even when no one's watching, living in the spirit, doing what is right. And so it's interesting as we think about this because then Jesus' response to them was the two witnesses. They knew this because they knew Jewish law. But look what it says in verse number 14. Jesus answered said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet not my record, yet, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came, and whither I go, which you cannot tell whence I came, or whence I come, or whither I go. You judge after the what? Flesh, and I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. Pretty powerful. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. So I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me bear witness of me. Then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, You neither know, you neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. Powerful. These Spake, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. I want to read some verses out of 1 John because I think it's important for us to know that we do have witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ and we do have testimony. What helps us to abide is to know that Jesus Christ was telling the truth and, and that he is true. And boy, it takes a lot of pressure off you because you don't have to be uh, sinless to be saved. You can be saved because Jesus Christ took care of your sin problem. And it says in, in, in 1 John chapter 5, beginning in verse number 6, it says, this is he that came by water and blood. Remember, water to, to cleanse you of the pollution of sin and, and blood to cleanse you of the penalty of sin. Even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that beareth the witness, because the Spirit is what? Truth. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. By the way, in a lot of translations, that verse is taken out completely. Did you know that? You may, not, you may turn in your Bible if you have different than the authorized version, and 1 John 5, 7 isn't there. But look at verse number 8. There are three that bear witness in earth. It is the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For there is the witness of God. For he that hath testified of his Son, and he that believeth on the Son of God, hath the witness in himself. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he hath believed not the record that God gave to his son. Pretty powerful. In fact, verse number 8, it says, And this is the record that God hath given to, his eternal life, given to us eternal life, and this life is in the Son. 
Now, I think it's interesting as we think about this, because what we're dealing with is confirmation that what Jesus Christ was saying to the crowd was absolutely true, that he is the light of the world, and that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. And so why aren't we not pushing Jesus Christ into a culture anymore? Because people think it's offensive to do that. But it's the very thing that will help our culture. Everyone's looking for, for help. You know, What are we going to do? Put Jesus Christ back into the culture. Put him back into your heart. Put him back into your family. Put him back into your daily walk. Put Jesus Christ back into the picture. It's amazing how they can do things today. They can actually get a picture and you can take someone out of it. They can, they can manipulate videos and, and they can do all kinds of things with technology today. But taking Jesus Christ out of the picture is not something new. It's something that man has been trying to do for a long, long time. Because they don't want to be submissive to a God who is everywhere. They want to be submissive only to their own God, only to themselves. And that's what made America so great. It's because we've lifted up Jesus Christ all of these years. We need to lift him up. Talk about Jesus. Talk about him to your children. Tell, them st- tell your grandchildren stories about Jesus Christ. It's what they need today. Amen? It's interesting, too, that if you were to circle the word witness, the word record, the word witness, the word witness, in verse number 9, witness is actually mentioned three times, and the word testified one time, and then it's mentioned in verse number 10, the word witness, and the word record in verse number 10, and then the word record in verse number 11. From verse 6 to verse number 7, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. Ten times, I believe, that the same word is used in the Greek language. There's, we, we change words in the Greek sometimes, but that word in the, in the Greek language is mentioned ten different times that Jesus Christ Bear record, bears witness of him being Jesus Christ, and it is true. And so when we think about this today, I hope that you understand that in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we must not only believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world, but we must receive him. Jewish worship pointed to Jesus as the light of the world, even though they didn't realize what they were doing, they were pointed to Jesus Christ. The temple court on both sides had a huge candelabra, and they were lit on the first night of the Feast of Tabernacles. Bright rays of light flooded the temple in the city. These lights were symbolic and intended for them to recall the pillar of the cloud, of course, and the fire that guided them by night. They were lighting them. But now Jesus Christ is the divine illumination for every man and will help them and guide them and save them and keep them. They were pointed to Jesus. They didn't even know it. Many of the Jews today don't even receive Jesus Christ as the Messiah. And if there are any listening today, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Read Isaiah 53. He will show you he bears record of himself that it is true. You know, who, who bears record of, of you? Is there a record of you? And by the way, there is, in case you were wondering, uh, There are books in heaven. There is the Lance Book of Life, of course. And all those that are not written in the Lance Book of Life will be cast into the lake of fire. It's pretty powerful, right? Kind of sobering. But if your name is in the Book of Life, there are other books also where God 
keeps track of everything that we do, both good and bad, in Christ for that judgment day where the Christians will be judged because we will go through judgment, not for our sin, but for our deeds, whether they are good or bad, to the body of Christ. So we think about this. I think that, first of all, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Then secondly, we must be followers of Christ. You see, it's hard to follow people. I think we need a better follower. You can't get any better than Jesus Christ. You know, these people that are out there following these, these people that are loose in their, in their foolishness and their decisions, they're following the wrong person. We'd be following Jesus Christ. That's what's so wonderful about Christianity is you can make your decisions personally and you can walk with him and he'll comfort you when you need him to comfort you because he knows you. But it's kind of hard to follow people sometimes. Say, well, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we had to follow. You know, there was no, maybe no choice. You had to be in line, you know. And, and at first, when I first got there, we had like uh, four rows of 10 guys. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, four rows of 20 guys. So 80 guys in the platoon. And I was about halfway back. I was in the H's, and so I was howl, howl. And there was a guy in front of me named Holler. And for some reason, his head was kind of tilted a little bit. So they were always getting us to line our heads up. So I said, I want to see one head. You know, so you're lining up behind the guy, and here's Holler way over here. We had to do push-ups because Holler wouldn't get over into here. You know, the line up, just one. What if Holler said, I, I don't want to listen to what you're saying? We'd still be doing push-ups down there all these years later. It's hard to follow people sometimes. And you better make sure your followers are following Jesus Christ and not CNN. I can't go there. Stay with the scriptures. But I will talk about darkness for a moment. Darkness is ignorant. Darkness is full of sin. Darkness is full of death. Darkness is damaging. But Jesus Christ said he is the light, the positive force that we could follow. Christ and his teachings. And what are his teachings? We love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our soul. Pretty simple. It is. Kind of. And then to love our neighbor as ourself. You know why I don't pick up any paint, put it on a statue? You know why I don't do that? Because I love my neighbor. You know who does that? People who don't love their neighbor. That's who does that stuff. And all the trash that's going on in our culture right now, it is not good. It is not good because if they're going to march to Washington, D.C. in front of this president who's upholding the Constitution of the United States and they're saying, we don't want that anymore, then it's time to find another country to fight for. Yes. It's interesting as we think about this because the answer really is simple. It's Jesus Christ because he is the light of the world. I remember when I used to have to follow my dad in hunting, that was always difficult because I wanted to see what he's seeing. I get behind him, you know, pick up a stick and act like I had a gun, you know. And he's walking real slow and he's saying, watch where you place your foot, Dean. And the next step, crunch. Oh, I forgot to look down. You know, and I'm following my dad and he's like walking through. And pretty soon I see his arm go out and he's going, I don't know why you're trying to do that, Dean, but follow me. I don't know why you're trying to do that, Dean, but follow me. Over and over and over again. I remember one time when I was hunting with him. 
And I was underneath the tree, and he was way up in a tree, and he was thinking that's the safest place Dean should be, down there underneath the tree. You know? He can make all the noise he wants to, because I'll be able to see, right? Now, every once in a while, I had these little small, uh, I don't know what they were, they were like peanuts on the inside, but they were coated with a, a golden-type cream-like thing. And all of a sudden, he would drop one down next to me. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Pick off the dirt a little bit, you know. Chew it. Pretty soon I saw some deer coming. So I'm like, hey, Dad, look at that deer right over there. <laughs> yeah. He forgot to put the duct tape over my mouth, you know. <laughs> I know it's hard to follow. We must follow him. If we want to be his disciple, we must understand that he is the light of the world. And his teachings are true. And what he said about himself is true. And I love him. And I can't wait to see him. Tomorrow I'll be 59. To be honest with you, I never thought I'd make it here. When I was in Lebanon and Beirut, I didn't think I'd even go home. I never thought I'd have a family. I have the most precious boys. They're hardworking, diligent, law-abiding men. They are on my team, and I'm so grateful. God did that. Do you know why? It's because I've been promoting him as light of the world all of these years. And I hope my grandsons and my granddaughter now will learn about Christ early on to be able to walk in the light because our culture needs good, godly people. Amen? God's not over with America yet. I don't think he is. Don't buy into the lie that it's done. Stay strong. Stay on your knees and be be in prayer about the country but you know that God's not done yet. You know why? Because we're still here. He wants to use America still. I need to move along. I have four minutes. The last point, we must continue. And that's the point that I want to make today. This word continue is very powerful. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word... Then you are my disciples. What he is saying here with the word continue is to continue in his word. I do a Bible boost. You know, I think it's kind of corny somewhat, but I get on there and say, here's a Bible boost for the day. Here's a Bible brief, you know, and go into Proverbs and then point out some things and try to do it in five to six minutes. I usually go to seven. Try, try not to. Sometimes I go to eight. You know, I'm sorry about that because I know you're busy. But every day I'd like to just refresh your mind concerning the scriptures of some biblical truth that will help you. I don't do it at the same time every day. But I want to do this, and I think it's encouraging for us to continue in his word. But the word continue means to stay. It means to abide. It means to remain. That's why we're saying constantly abiding today, because I asked them, let's sing this song so that we would constantly remain, constantly abide, Constantly be what we should be. When the, when the, when the, when the, when the, when the times get tough and, and the world turns into a chaotic mess, abide in Him. Remain in Him. Remain in His Word. Stay. 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 Stop moving. Stay in one spot and do what God wants you to do. So the Bible talks about this in Colossians chapter 1, verse number 23. If you continue... In the faith, grounded and settled, Colossians 4, number number 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with, uh, with vigilance. 
In 1 Timothy 4, verse number 16, take heed unto thyself and unto thy, the doctrine. Continue in them. 2 Timothy 3, 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. We were talking about starting a little Timothy project here where we can actually help young men and ladies with home economics, shop class, these kind of things, and bringing it together with some of the homeschoolers. And we could, because we have an incredible amount of talent in this church. I got a present yesterday. Uh, I know you're here, and I won't embarrass you, Mike, but thank you so much again. I, I didn't put a picture on it because I did it. I'm not going to do it till tomorrow. My birthday's tomorrow. But I, I like the outdoors. I love Jesus, but I like the outdoors. Okay. So I like to trap. I, I like to hunt. I like to fish. Sometimes I just like to go walk in the woods. Yeah. I, I watch all the time for deer and turkeys and animals. And, you know, we were talking yesterday a little bit at a graduation party about different animals that had been seen in Deerfield, like a, like a bobcat. And then there was a cougar that was seen. There was a wolf that was seen right here in Deerfield. It's interesting when you talk about all these different things and how, how fun it is, you know, and, and it comes out. And so one of the men in our church decided that he was going to take a, a, a piece of wood, part of a tree, and carve out a, an outdoorsman. And he put a Bible in his hand, in his arm. And it's sitting on my, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. What am I known for? Maybe for being a trapper who carries a Bible, you know? Well, I hope so. Because I, th- I still think you can enjoy life and carry a Bible. In fact, I think you enjoy it a lot better. Amen? Instead of a rock. What's in your hand this morning? The very tool that will help you continue. First of all, it will save you. Because the word has said that you can be saved and know for sure. These things I write unto you that you may know you have eternal life. And not only that, then you're sealed until a day of redemption. The time you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. And by the way, nobody gets to heaven without trusting Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's not two or four roads. There's not all kinds of religions. There's just one truth, and it is Jesus Christ our Lord. Religion's kind of gotten in the way. And sometimes the Baptists can get in the way. Sometimes the Pentecostals can get in the way. Sometimes the Lutherans can get in the way. Sometimes the Catholics can get in the way. This is the scripture. And the Bible is true. And we can bear record that Jesus Christ came to save the world. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came that the whole world might be saved. That's not just a selective few for all you Calvinists out there. No. He came to save every single person. And he will save you if you humble your heart and say, Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm turning from my sin. And now I turn to you, Lord. Forgive me. He will save you. And he will also seal you and strengthen you and sustain you until you see him face to face. Amen? Amen? That's the truth. What's the greatest thing I could tell you? On my anniversary Sunday, Jesus Christ is the King of Kings. And all you that are hurting, he will sustain you. He will comfort you. He will pick you up along the roadside, put you upon his mule, and he will take you to a place where you can rest, and he will heal your wounds. 
And he will make sure people will take care of you until you see him. That's Jesus Christ, our Lord. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Pastor Howell, I don't even know Jesus Christ as my Savior. I've heard of Jesus. I've heard of God. And I really believe that Jesus Christ is God's Son. And I believe He died for me. And I believe He rose again the third day. I believe all of that. But I've never received Him. I've never opened up my heart to Him. And today, I need to do that. Is there anyone here? No one's looking around. If you just would raise your hand so I could pray for you. I won't point you out. But you would say, yes, Pastor Howell. I need to receive Jesus. I need to accept him into my life. Is there anyone like that? Just lift up your hand and put it back down again. Thank you. Anyone else with this man? Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes. I'm going to pray in a moment. I want you to raise your hand to follow me along in prayer. And you can repeat to your own self there, right, right there on your seat. It's a simple prayer. But is there anybody else with these two men? Anyone else? I'd like to pray. Maybe you, Christian, are dealing with all kinds of junk going on in your life. Hurts, and bitterness. And way down deep inside, you know Jesus is there. It's like an onion. You keep peeling it away and peeling it away. Well, he's there and he wants to help you. He wants to strengthen. He wants to help man in here to be even stronger. And maybe this morning you would just come to an old-fashioned altar and receive him this morning. I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done praying, the invitation will begin. But I'm going to pray for these men too right now. Father, we just ask that you would listen to these men's prayers. That they would say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you are the Son of God. And I turn from my sin to you. I cannot save myself. I call upon you. Dear Lord Jesus, would you come into my life and save me? And Heavenly Father, I pray for those that are here today, that are Christians that just need to be refreshed. I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide them and they would walk in the light. Use this invitation for thy glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet, no one looking around. As the piano begins to play this morning, maybe you just need to come to an old-fashioned altar and kneel down. Say, Lord.